Good afternoon and welcome to a late start to Mayor's Minutes. My apologies. Duty called elsewhere. Uh, so you can tell the fire chief to relax. We did make it. We're here. Uh, the chief was on time. I was not. I was detained by business. Um, so I'm joined today on the show by uh, New Mattoon Police Chief Scott McNamara. Chief McNamara, welcome to the show. You've been on before, right? I'm sorry? This is your second time? Uh, yeah, it is my second time. All right. Sure. So I'm trying to get the live feed up, and it's not working. Um, so I'm going to go through the COVID numbers uh, pretty quickly here. They're very good. Uh, I would say they're much better. Uh, they're pointing in the right direction. And we're going to talk about test kit availability uh, quickly, and then we're going to spend the balance of the show talking to the chief about the Mattoon Police Department. I did want to, you know, we've been talking about uh, local businesses. Today I opened, uh, uh, today I attended the grand opening of Flowers by Jamie Lynn. Can't see that from where you are. 291A Merrimack Street, it's a florist shop, a small business. Um, Valentine's Day coming up. Guys and gals, if you're looking to make some points, call Jamie Lynn, tell him the mayor sent you. Great business. Uh, we're looking forward to them doing a lot of things in the city of Methuen. So good luck to you, Jamie Lynn, well. and let us know how we can help you. All right, let's go to the COVID chart right away, please. All right, so the news is good. 284 cases, and some of you might be saying, Mayor, when did you think 284 was good? Well, it's good when you compare it to the four previous weeks. So we've come from our holiday peak, go to the good and the bad, if you would. Uh, we were at 19, 1,902 cases four weeks ago, then to 1,201, then to 668, then to 284 this week. So steady improvement that shows that uh, perhaps the migrant wave is is receding. Um, uh, you know, that's the really good news. So the good, the bad, the good news, and the not so good. Uh, most vaccinated individuals are still experiencing very mild symptoms. Uh, anybody who's having serious symptoms is typically um, somebody who's not vaccinated. So please get vaccinated. Um, and I wanted to touch on the test kits. So I wanted to say kudos again to the uh, Disability uh, Commission for working with us. Uh, the last two days we were giving out the, the tests uh, at the loop and um, via delivery to uh, those disabled folks in the community who called us and identified the need. And now we're ready to distribute them <laughs> to the broader audience but as we, excuse me, so if you remember last week when I was on the show, I was talking about we we're going to do this Eventbrite registration. We we're going to do it at Griffin Park. We've scrapped those plans. We've, we're making it simpler. Um, and part of that is the reason we think the demand is way down. So if you go back to that slide for one second, um, there's, remember, there's multiple ways you can get test kits. There's four per household uh, at the U.S. government website that I'll show you at the end of this broadcast. The schools begin the biweekly testing capabilities February 14th uh, on Valentine's Day. And the city has 8,000 kits to distribute. And um, effective February, most health uh, insurance will cover you buying them at CVS, Walgreens, whatever. 
So there'll be no out-of-pocket costs to you. So um, the supply is there. If the demand is there, you've got multiple available options. I'm still going to appeal to you as the mayor. Uh, when we talk about how we're going to distribute the kits here shortly, only get them if you need them, right? Do not get them to hoard them because they have expiration dates on them, and they will expire. Okay, they're not so good. Our vaccination rate, you're sick of me saying this, but it's true, remains significantly below the state level. And we're trying to ensure the kits get to those who truly need it. And then I'm worried because uh, I'm a class half full kind of guy. we got February school vacation coming. And what we don't want to have happen is what happened over the holidays. Now, we don't typically have in February school vacation the kinds of gatherings that we do over Christmas and New Year's. Uh, but I would appeal to you that be careful, right? We do not want to go backwards. Uh, we want to make some steady forward progress. Okay, next chart, please. Uh, probably one of the more interesting things, the women are far outpacing the men. And it has grown with the migrant phase. Um, so you can see that, uh, if you remember, probably when, just before the holidays, the male and female split was within 400 of each other. Now it's well over 1,000. So far more females in the city of Methuen got the Omicron than they got males. That's just statistical evidence. Okay, next chart is the distribution by age that you used to see. And, of course, these, these charts will be available on social media. John Malloy will make them available. Um, so by far still the youngest, the under-19 group, leading the pack. Um, but your 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40 49 are all in there. Um, and the key to stopping this is the vaccinations, clearly. Next chart. This is the current week. So while it still looks pretty glim, you got to remember we were 1,900 cases three weeks ago. Right, so 284. Still the preponderance of them in the under-19 age group, which are our school-age children. So it's something we still have to be worried about. Now, Ed Quinn asked a question on the show last week. I thought it was an outstanding question, and I want to make sure my answer. Um, you know, the question was about masks in schools, and my answer was really, I'd like to know a little bit more about the longer-term effects on the children, right? It would be great to sit here and be able to make a judgment now, knowing that there's really no harm going to come to our younger population, but we don't know that to be true, right? So that's what I tried to explain last week. I got a call after, um, and I wanted to make sure we were clear about that. Okay. And then my favorite, the three-city comparison chart. Let's see, the numbers are coming down in each of the cities. Methuen's is lowest, uh, Haverhill right there, and then Lawrence is double Methuen, right? So Lawrence is at 36,000 cases. Uh, from inception, that's one out of every three residents. Wow. It's a pretty high number. Yeah. So uh, ours is 15,480, which my math skills aren't that good. We got 53,000, uh, a little less than that. So still getting there. And then the last but not least, the uh, percent effective. Now, this is one of the charts we use. People say, how do you make these decisions? So 
why did we decide not to do the Eventbrite thing at uh, Griffin Book Park? Um, we looked at how many people have been tested at, at Pelham Street, Great Lawrence Family Health. How many people are getting PCR tests across the city? And the number has dropped dramatically by thousands. Um, so if you need a PCR test, don't forget you can go to Great Lawrence Family Health. Um, I think it's 1 to 6 daily and 9 to noon on Saturdays. Uh, you can also go to Lawrence General Hospital. Uh, right now there's no queue for either of those two places, uh, but the demand has dropped significantly, and that's one of the things that's shaping our test kit distribution. We believe that because there's such widespread availability of test kits, that the number of people going for PCRs is dropping steadily. So, okay. Last chart, the Ryan chart, is the vaccination. You can see the state of Massachusetts, right at that top, that 91.4, that is the percentage in of people over age five in Massachusetts that are vaccinated. Um, first dose is the 91.4. So almost 92% of everybody in the state of Massachusetts over the age of five has received the vaccine. Um, Methuen's number is 77. So we're trailing that by 14. We are making progress. We were 76.3 last week. We're at 77. We're continuing to run vaccination clinics. Please get your vaccination. And then for the percent of population age 5 and over fully vaccinated in the state of Mass, 78.5%. That's that other green number. And Methuen's is 68.4. So we trail that by a full 10%. Um, and as I reiterated on the show last, um, you know, none of it means a lot until it touches home. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I lost uh, two people that I knew pretty well, both to COVID, both not vaccinated. Um, and it's a shame. Um, so we've we got to get people out there and get you vaccinated. It's the answer. And I know there's plenty of people that are anti-vaxxers who say, yeah, but I could still get COVID. Yes, you can. But the symptoms are far less severe if you're vaccinated. And I'm walking, talking proof of that. Okay. Uh, next slide should be the Benax. Right. Yeah. So this is the one from the federal government. Um, so if you haven't already, you can only do this once. You go to this URL here, nachw.org slash COVID test, or you call that number, 1-800-232-0233. This is... Um, Every household, every single household can get four free COVID test kits. I got mine. I think I said I did that too. last. Did you get yours? Yeah. So that's good. Um, <clears throat> and they're useful if you need them. Right? Um, I'm going to skip ahead. Skip the rec charts till the end of the program if you can. There's one that we gave you. Sorry to do this to you, Methuen Community Studios. There's one that we gave you with words on it that says City of Methuen. There it is. Tough read for the people at home. So this is, um, so we're, we're going to announce by the end of the week dates and times for general distribution of at-home COVID test kits to Methuen residents. Two test kits distributed per household. The dates and times will be announced this Friday, February 4th, and the distribution dates and times will be early next week. You should be prepared 
to show proof of residency when you pick up your kit. Because what's going to happen is you're going to go to the loop at the Old Avenue store. You're going to walk in. You're going to have your license or something that proves your proof of residency. Um, and we're going to look you up on the census rolls. And we're going to make sure you're a resident. And if you're there, we're going to mark you down, give you two kits, send you on your way. It's that simple. Um, and we took a lot of the pre-registration, a lot of the mumbo-jumbo away, because it appears the demand has died down. Um, so um, we're going to staff that with volunteers. Uh, but I remind you, there's three other ways to get kits behind besides these. So we'll announce Friday what dates and times you can pick up the test kits at the Loop at the Old Avenue store next to Marshall's. Um, and you have to provide proof of residency. If you do not provide proof of residency, you cannot get the kits. Right? Every city is doing this. Um, but use the federal government four kits that I put up just a minute ago. Um, know that the, the test for your, if you've got a child who's in school and doing public schools, he or she's going to get, if you select to participate in the program, two kits every two weeks starting February 14th. And the idea is you test on a Sunday night, um, negative, they go to school. Positive, you report it to the school nurse. Uh, and then the second test is used week two Sunday. And then the next week, the child brings home two more kids. Right? They're not to be used for other family members. They're to be used for the students in the school. And every student will get two kits. Um, but also, um, make sure you use your health insurance. You're allowed by your health insurance of eight tests per household member per month. That's how much your health insurance will cover. Eight tests per person per month. So... You've got a wide range of options here, right? You can go to CVS and get test, test kits. Excuse me. You can go to Walgreens and get test kits, um, and your insurance company will pay for them. All right? So there's that. So I'm going to save the ads for the end. I want to give the chief. I invited the chief on because um, I wanted the public to hear uh, some of the thoughts that the chief has put forward. Good thoughts, I think. Uh, he presented... Uh, hopefully you saw the city council meeting, was it last week? Um, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. time flies. Monday. Yeah. Um, so a week ago, uh, Monday, the chief presented his thoughts on reorganization of the police department. And then some. what I really like about this plan is he's tied it back to the audit findings. So he's making the steps necessary to improve the department piece by piece, addressing the deficiencies, as well as the strengths, I should just say deficiencies, that are identified in the audit, making best use of them. And I want to I say kudos to uh, all the people that got promoted, uh, Lieutenant Wren and the three sergeants. It's a yeah. great thing. Oh, yeah. Great They're thing. already making a great impact yeah. on the department. So take it away, Chief. What would you like to talk about? Sure. Well, first, let me stop by saying I had the privilege of also stopping by at uh, Flowers by Jamie Lynn today. And it was, oh, did you? It was both her um, grand opening and her birthday today. I don't know if you knew, you knew that. So um, really, really nice person. And it's, yeah. never, um, it's never a bad time to send flowers to mom, right? So Amen. Amen. Check that box today. Um, so mom's happy. Um, 
Yeah, so talking about the reorg, as, um, as you, you had mentioned earlier, and frankly during my whole interview process, um, you know, the question was, uh, came up often, you know, what were my plans for the department? And, um, you know, some of the things were obvious to me, uh, reading the audit of some, some uh, things that could happen uh, early in the process and things were completely under my control. And there were other matters uh, that required uh, some level of observation before I could make a decision. So what this document is all about is kind of kind of giving uh, everyone a perspective uh, on, on my perception of the organization as I found it. Um, it looks at the past um, organizational structure of the department, the current organizational structure as it is today, and uh, a pot potential organizational structures for the future that I I'd like to see us go in that particular direction. Yeah. I, of course, wrote it with three audiences in mind. Of course, you, Mayor, top of the list. Yeah. Um, the council, you know, you're the decision makers in terms of, um, you know, where the our limited uh, resources are going to go. I mean, we're all kind of competing for resources as department heads. Everybody has needs. Um, but I also wrote, it, wrote the document with the, um, the, the city of Methuen taxpayers in mind. I want them to, you know, to understand what the underlying reasons are that I'm asking for the things that I'm asking for. But you did mention um, this, the CNA audit, and of course, you know, that's something that, you know, I'd like to think I know inside and out by now. Um, we'll probably, I think it would be a good idea to have another one of these types of discussions maybe about a month or so so I can give an update of where we stand on each of those 23 findings. Yeah. But I, I did feel like this was an opportunity to, um, as we looked at the, um, as we looked at the structure of the department, we looked at wherever we could find inefficiencies or ineffectiveness, perhaps our reorganization could also address some of those, um, those findings. And I think that we've uh, accomplished that goal. So with that, and I'll just hit on a couple of them. Um, I guess that before we, sure. so I, I, I looked at the cover yeah. picture closely, yeah. you know, because my dad was a cop. Yep. He's not there. But I actually did know a couple of the, the farthest left is an officer named Charlie Gillespie, Mm -hmm. Second from the left, and Salvatore Privatera, who is my father's cruising partner. Privatera? Great guys. You said it? Oh, no. I, I worked with the Privatera and Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah, related to, you probably know some of them. Yeah, I bet. So. Yeah. He was a great guy, too. Yep. Still is. Um, yeah, so there was, a, there was a handful of things that, by the way, we're, we're, gonna, we're addressing all the findings in the audit, obviously, but some are. of them could be addressed within this reorg. So um, one of the things that I thought was under my control was... Um, one of, the, one of the things that they pointed out was we didn't have enough sergeants on, on the, in the patrol division. And sergeants, as you know, are frontline supervisors, really a critical feature uh, today uh, to provide that guidance and supervision to line officers in the field. Um, so one of the things we did is the structure of the department, and I'm going to show, show a couple of the uh, organizational charts in just a minute, um, was such that we were running four platoons, a day shift, an early night shift, a midnight shift, and something that was more or less unique to Methuen PD, a swing shift, uh, where officers would work two days and two nights. And it was, it, it was really, it's a nice shift for the officers to work. I can see why it's beneficial, beneficial to the officers. But what I found, unfortunately, was that it was really kind of spreading our supervisory staff thin, uh, also our dispatchers thin, in such a way that we frankly didn't have enough to get the job done. Um, so that was something I could control. And uh, we, we made the change, as you know, Mayor, and, and now we're running three platoons instead of four, uh, having collapsed everyone into the remaining three, and I feel like we're in a good spot in terms of where we are, supervision and dispatchers and what have you. But just circling real back to the audit, you know, one of the things that was, was good, um, 
at least from my perspective, is there was a lot I can control in the audit. Really what the audit was all about in, in, in many respects was um, about the culture and climate of the department. Yep. And those are things that, as a, as a police executive, you'd like to think that you can control to a certain extent. Um, it really spoke to a, a fundamental unfairness as it related to a number of issues, hiring, promotion, uh, specialized assignments, and discipline. That kept coming up over and over and over again. Well, just by introducing fundamental fairness to the work environment, those are things that, that we can control, and they don't cost any money. Um, there are other findings, of course, that are cost-dependent. And that's really what this document is about, is saying these are the things that I think that we need. I think it's my job as your police chief to kind of advocate for the things I think our department needs to bring us, into the, bring us up to the 21st century standard <laughs> that I think we want to be. Um, so that's what the document's about, and I, l I lay out a foundation for it. I talked about one of the findings was that Methuen PD had, has used intermittent and reserve offices to supplement staffing. Um, we've gotten away from that practice. We're no, long, no longer allowing it. That's consistent with the new post standards. However, we are using reserve offices for a whole different reason, and uh, I'll get into that in a moment, but it has to do with being ready. Um, and, and there's a lot of – I'll get into the timelines in ter terms of how long it takes to take a – hire a police officer nowadays, it's, yeah. it can be a real cumbersome process. So we, we use the reserve um, officer um, process to kind of address that issue. Explain, for people who might not know post, I know you and I know yeah. post, just to Yeah, it's, a, um, it's, it's, it's a, a new um, agency that oversees police departments, law enforcement agencies in our, in our state, the Peace Officers uh, Standards and Training Committee. Um, we now re report everything to that agency. There are certain guidelines. It's great because essentially um, we're all under one umbrella. Every police department in this state has to conform to a certain standard and a certain guideline. And it's really the right thing to do. Almost every other state had made this move in years past, and Massachusetts is getting, just getting up to par in that regard. Yep. Um, um, another issue that came back, which was obvious, it was um, hit hit on time and time again in the audit was the demographics of the Methuen Police Department are not representative of the demographics of the city of Methuen. Um, as you can see, we're going through that hiring process right now. We just put eight officers in the academy. We're looking to um, add 17 reserve officers. Our reserve officers are essentially going to be Methuen police officers in waiting, um, uh, officers, uh, officers that aren't currently working for us, but we've conferred to them reserve status um, because they've passed all the pre-employment obstacles, background checks. We've talked to their employers, their neighbors. We've vetted them every which way from Sunday, and now they're waiting for their opportunity to go to the academy. Um, we've done that. I think we're in a good place. And what, what we're seeing, though, is what I'm doing as part of this is I'm advocating for robust hiring practices. I think we need to grow the organization to do the things that we need to do. Um, just a handful of years ago, we were at 98 sworn, and right now we're at 90. Um, I'd like to see us grow to, to 106 over a period of years, and I'll give the, 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 the foundation for that in a little bit. But when it comes to the issue of demographics and, and how to fix it, it's a real tough thing for a police chief to fix if you're not hiring. I mean, it could be a glacial process, as you might imagine, if we're waiting for one person to retire every two or three years and, yeah. and then hiring someone and, and hoping it's someone that's also a minority that can, you know, can to make us more reflective of the community we serve. So I think we, have an, um, we can address many of our problems and address our diversity issue all at the same time. And I'm pleased to report that the numbers are really coming in great. And when I say the numbers are coming in great, they're coming in great based on merit alone. We're just going right down that list. 
We're being fair with the process. Um, interviewing some of the candidates that were previously bypassed, just to be quite honest, and, um, and giving them a second look. And in many cases, we're finding that they, they, they are up to or exceed the typical standards, and we're uh, proud to uh, make them Methuen police officers. But, um, you know, I just conferred with um, um, Human Resources just be before we started today, and I look at the first 23 we look to hire, and I'm, I'm expecting at least 10 or 11 of them to be minority officers. So we're talking about somewhere in the year between 40 and 44 percent. And again, that's just by going down the list yep. and being fair and yep. objective in our processes. Um, some of the other things that we'll touch on is, um, you know, community policing. Um, obviously, that's a real big part of what we do. I'd like to see our police officers out, out of the cars. You know, nobody wants to, the only relationship they have to be a police officer racing by them with blue lights, right? Um, so as much as possible, I'd like to get our police officers out of the cars, interacting with members of our community. I'd like to get back to the traditional community policing as it started in the 90s, if we could, um, get to the point where we have enough staffing that we can carve out a certain number of police officers and have them uh, be assigned to specific neighborhoods in our city. That's what comes to mind right off hand, of course, is the Arlington neighborhood and in a neighborhood that perhaps is disproportionately impacted by crime and disorder. If we were able to put police officers and have them be assigned specifically to that neighborhood each day, untethered from that 9-11 radio and free to focus proactively on issues that might arise in that, those neighborhoods, they can make an enormous impact. I've seen it. I've, I've, I've had the privilege of doing it as a young police officer in Lawrence and, frankly, in, in the Arlington neighborhood just over the border. It's a really rewarding experience for police officers, but um, citizens, people who live and work in that neighborhood would love it. And I think yeah. it's something if we can grow our organization – we can get back to doing some of those great things. You'll have an enthusiastic supporter in Linda Susie. I, I know. I know she's supporting it. So, She'll storm uh, the council. She's my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. So, And you told me early on I needed to win her over. You were right, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you can jump over to page three. I don't know if you can bring it up, but if if not, we'll uh, – by the way, there's yeah, a link to this on the, on the city council um, website, and there will be a link on our police department website as, page three. Uh, also. So uh, on page three, yeah, there's that old chart. So this is the department as I found it day one. And, um, you know, I, I think I, when you look at the department, you don't want to make change for the sake of making change. If it's not broke, you don't want to fix it, right? But, um, but you know, I, did, I think you hired me for a reason, Mayor. You wanted to bring someone in from the outside, someone who could bring change to the organization. So I committed to that. Um, but this was the department as I found it. As you can see on the left-hand side, you can see the four platoons. I spoke to that a little earlier about the swing shift and how it, it left one lieutenant and one sergeant on one, another uh, sergeant on another. And then you can see the midnight shift kind of functions as I envision it with a uh, three sergeants. But you'll notice no lieutenant there. I, I feel like you need a lieutenant in charge of each of those three platoons, someone who provides that higher level of supervision and guidance that's needed in a 21st century police agency. Um, you know, on that right-hand um, um, prong, that tree all the way to the right, um, you can see that we had essentially three bureaus. One bureau had been functioning without a, um, a captain for some time due to some personnel issues. Um, and there's a number of functions on, on the, underneath that, that um, branch that I think re require additional supervision. We'll get into that in a minute. But the fundamental reason why I want to grow the department is because Prior to my arrival, I know we underwent, the city of Methuen, frankly, went, went through some concerns as it relates to budgets. And as a, as a, as a result, 
there was a lot of retraction in the police department. We went from 98 sworn to 90, and then we had an additional problem of, of frankly, not being able to staff the 90 that were budgeted for a host of different reasons. And what, what, and what that resulted in is all those what we, were, what we refer to as specialty officers, for example, uh, narcotics officers, gang officers, domestic violence officers, auto theft, all of those officers that were providing a specialized function for the Methuen Police Department were all rolled into the patrol division. They had to be because you need that's the that's that's where the, the the rubber meets the road in any police department. You need to first answer the calls that come in because they're emergency calls and people expect that a police officer will be there when you call for help. So that's the department as I found it, essentially a reactive police department that's responding and I'll use the analogy, we're putting fires out. We're not preventing fires from occurring. Um, so I'd like to see us, us grow, and I, and I provide a foundation for it later in the, in the background. But also, and again, today, probably more than ever, it's been just difficult. It's so hard to hire, as you know, Mayor, DPW, Amen. The, the, uh, your, own, your own staff in, the, in, in City Hall. Yep. It's hard to hire uh, police officers like it, like it is in every other profession. So we have to be aggressive in our hiring practices um, if we want to reach our, our, our sworn number. But um, we, need to, we need to get back to those numbers in order to provide some of those proactive functions that I think are so important. Um, also on page four, I'm going to just go through quickly, quickly because I know we're pressed for time, but it kind of gives a timeline, which is how long it takes to hire a police officer. Um, the, the background checks that need to go on, the, um, the interviews, the Conditional offer employments, the medical exams, psychological exams, physical agility tests, pre-academy testing. You're talking about six months of pre-employment obstacles that are in the way. It takes a long time. Yeah. And by the way, the, the, it, it, I, I always use these acronyms, but I'll try to explain it. The MPTC, which is the Municipal Police Training Committee, they've now taken over all the academies now. So we had a lot more flexibility just a month ago than we will going forward. Now, when an academy is announced, they're going to open up a portal, and they're going to have, it's first come, first serve. If you want to get your candidates in, you have, to, you have to have your candidates ready. Well, the reserve process I spoke to earlier, and I'll, and I'll expand on later, is uh, what, we've, what we've started. We're, we're going to be well-positioned to put police officers in the academy, if you're so inclined, Mayor, um, and the council is so inclined. Um, but if you just wait for the openings, if you wait for the, the announcement that the academy is there and you, and you think you're going you know, you're gonna to get through all this, six months will go by, the academy will be over, and then we'll be back to square one. So we're trying to um, knock a lot of those pre, pre-employment obstacles out of, out of the way. But beyond pre-employment, now you, now you get your candidate out of the acad- into the academy, and now that's six months in the academy, four months of field training. Um, in the academy, they learn how to be a Massachusetts police officer, in the field training program, they learn how to be a Methuen police officer. And, um, and finally, when that's all said and done, you're looking at 14 or 15 months until they're on their own servicing the citizens of Methuen. So again, I, I, I'm advocating for robust hiring practices to, um, to address some of those concerns. Um, in the middle of page five, you'll see kind of a breakdown of um, um, the department, uh, the budgeted positions in the department. As, as opposed to the actual positions in the department due to attrition and other uh, concerns. Um, right now we're, we're back up to 90 where we need to be based on taking a transfer and, um, and putting uh, the, the academy class that we currently have in. So we're in a good place. Um, 
But where would I like my where would I like the staffing to be? I mean, it's one thing to say I want more cops. Everybody wants more employees. Um, I base it on on on, on two things. Uh, first and foremost, the the FBI and the Department of Justice they put out an annual report, and in that report they they survey um, law enforcement agencies throughout our country, and then what they do is they do an analysis by regions of the country. So, for example, we're in the northeast region of, of the country, um, and then they break it down further and they look at New England states, for example, and then they break it down even further and they look at populations between 50,000 and 100,000 residents. And when they look at that, that um, um, group of law enforcement agencies, they're showing an average of two sworn police officers for every 1,000 residents. So as you said earlier, we're around 53,000 residents. The expectation would be we'd have around 106 sworn police officers. Um, so we're now we're budgeted for 90. I'd like to see us grow up, grow to that standard of, of 106 over a period of a couple of years. And when I say a couple of years, I, I say that for a reason. Um, Mayor, your time and my time, I think we have you know short time horizon here. And I think I think the citizens of Methuen, I think the city council, all this, all the stakeholders are, they'd like to see some change. And I think if we if we want to deliver on that change, we we have to act now and and, and be aggressive in terms of our hiring practices. The other standard, of course, is is what my 25 years of experience brings to bear on this decision. Um, of course, I don't think it's any surprise if I if I told the listeners out there that the law enforcement prevention uh, profession, police officers in general, have, have never been under more scrutiny than they are today. Um, it's it's important that we that we have an adequate number of supervisors out there to to, to you know keep an eye on what's going on and to and to really kind of look at those. Um, those those high-risk, high-liability situations that arise as you build the organization. When we build our organization, we'll build outside of the traditional bureaucratic structure. Um, the bureaucratic structure is simply, you know, the chief, the deputy chief, captain, and then, and then you have everybody in patrol. But we want to do more than that. But when you start doing more than that, you're talking about having, for example, let's say two to four narc narcotics officers kind of like out there freelancing, doing the work that needs to be done. I'm, Resident after resident are calling saying, "Hey, I just saw an exchange outside of my, my, you know, my home. This is not the way I want to live, and we need to address those situations." But those officers that are dealing in those situations in, in this day and age, they need a frontline supervisor out with them, and in typically the the span of control for that type of arrangement is is smaller than it would be in, in a in the you know typical patrol um, umbrella. Um, when I look at things like span of control, I, you know, what, what comes to mind for me is, you know, there's four, uh, four functions on, on, on page six. Uh, I ask, are we, are we providing uh, the proper guidance and support to our line officers in the field? Are we ensuring the safety of all police department employees and city residents? Have we prevented the department from being exposed to undue public scrutiny? And um, are we reducing the department's exposure to civil liability? So when I look at each of those functions and I say, hey, we have a vulnerability there. I need a supervisor there. And that's kind of the justification beyond this um, objective justification I gave you with the DOJ numbers um, in terms of where I want to bring our staffing and, and our supervision in the next couple of years. Um, some of the things that I think need to happen, some of the changes that have already happened, is I, I want to see two supervisors working on every patrol shift. I think we need an, an, an officer in charge in the building and in, in this day and age, you must have a patrol supervisor on the road, whether that be a – most often it's, it's going to be a police sergeant 
In some cases, it can be a, a lieutenant or a captain, but um, we need we need patrol sergeants in the field to kind of anticipate where the issues might arise and get there and prevent these issues from happening um, before they occur. Um, one of the changes that we're making right now, Mayor, as you know, we're, um, I want to see two dispatchers working at any given time. It's, it, that has not been the standard practice here for um, a long time. It's something that needs to change. Of course, we're trying to hire dispatchers. What we're finding is as quick as we hire them, they, they, they move on to other positions. Um, so we're, we're looking to hire some more as, as, as it stands right now. But the other thing we're doing is we're, we're negotiating with the unions and, and um, allowing for police officers when we have an adequate number of police officers and we're beyond our minimum staffing, if we have a shortage in dispatch, we can take a police officer and have them answer the phones for the night if that's what we need to do to, to, to get the job done safely. I look at that dispatch function as really a critical function to any police department, and it's really it's a lifeline to the, to the police officers in the field. Um, they're extracting high-priority information, officer safety-related information, and when you ask one person to do it in an agency along along the size of ours, it's it just it's just it's just not really fair to them. They're answering business lines. People are calling because they want to know what what time this uh, this snow emergency uh, goes into effect. Uh, when you know when the next community event's going to be. Meanwhile, you have police officers calling. In, they have motor vehicle stops, and you're trying to dispatch emergencies. There's just too much going on there for one person to do it and do it well. Um, it, and I'm just floored by the level of professionalism we have from our dispatchers. As I, I, I've gone in there a handful of times, and I'm wondering if um, some of them have a third arm somewhere, that they're, they're answering a phone, they're talking here, and I'm like, where did that come from? How are you, how you, how you pulling this off? But um, they're doing great things, but we need to give them the support they, they require as well. Just for informational purposes, the bottom of page 7 and then onto page 8, you see how our, our patrol areas, our patrol sectors are defined. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me how it's been set up. That's one of those situations where I don't think I need to just, for the sake of change, change that. Um, but it is something that as we, as we grow and we start to um, do better in terms of our analytics, um, you know, one of the things that I'm, I've, added, I've advocated for and I'm grateful that Mayor, you, and the Council have approved is um, the hiring of a, a new Director of Crime Analysis. I'm also going to be advocating for bringing in a whole new system in terms of our, our records management system, a report writing system, something that's more nuanced and analytical. I want to be able to pull data and provide data not only to you, Mayor, but to our staff. I wanted to inform our decisions in terms of where we're going to deploy our limited resources, but also give a, a window um, to the residents of Methuen to see what we're doing and why and, and give them a perspective of what's going on in their neighborhoods and Hopefully the company that we hire will be able to open a portal on our website um, so that residents perhaps could, not only could they just log on and see what's going on, but they might even be able to, we might even have an opportunity for them to upload information yeah. that we would later verify. So let me pause you there for a second, because I know we're going to run a little bit long. I hope that's okay, because I was so late. Can we run a, about five minutes over? Looking for a nod from the booth, yes or no? What does that mean? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I really like that position. I want to explain that a little bit further. Um, so what you just explained, said instead of just sending the same amount of units to all the different sections of the city, to use the data on types of crimes, 
when they occur, what kind of crimes, so that you could target some manpower and some effective stoppage versus sure. just looking for it, right? Yeah, I, I use the analogy that if you're not doing that, you're essentially a rudder, rudderless ship. You don't know where you're navigating towards. You're just kind of being drawn to wherever the currents are taking you. Um, I think you need to look at historical data, um, look at what happened a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, uh, look, at, look at what happened last month. You're looking for emerging crime trends, and, and then you, you confer that, that um, decision-making ability to, to your, your lieutenants on each of those shifts. They should be doing the same thing. They should be looking at that data on a day-to-day basis and saying, hey, what do I need to do differently today that I didn't do yesterday? But they need, a, they need someone, they need a partner, a professional who's really skilled at doing this sort of thing. Right. And I intend to bring someone in who, who's able to do just that, to provide that, that backdrop of data that our, our supervisors need to start making those deployment decisions um, Bravo. In, a, in a more professional way. Um, All right, we've got about five minutes. Okay. So you know what I'll do is I'll just kind of like go through, because this is, <laughs> page nine is really the important thing. At the end of the day, the, this is what, I, what I'm asking um, from, our, for our, from our city. Um, from the stakeholders I, ma- I mentioned earlier. A lot of them, I'm grateful, they're, they're, they're already checkboxes next to them. Um, number one on page nine, I asked for the, um, the, that director of crime analysis. That's in the works right now, yep. thankfully. Um, I asked us to fill the open and, and budgeted uh, lieutenant position. It's filled, and we picked a, a, a great, a, a great uh, candidate for that job. Joe Wren, yep. Our two prov- uh, provisional sergeants, I asked that they be uh, promoted. One has already been promoted. The other, um, the city is trying to move heaven and earth to get that done, and we hopefully have an answer on that very soon. Yep. Um, those two open budgeted um, sergeant's positions, they were also filled, um, Sergeant Joba and Sergeant Licarda. Great. Um, the next so two you big... Didn't, you didn't, I want to stop because yeah. I'm going to give you something. You didn't overrun your budget by those, those four sergeants? No, those are open positions. Those are open budgeted positions that, that needed to be filled. I to hear that. Yep. Yep. Um, um, so the next thing, and this is where it starts to get a little bit more difficult, and I need you know the guidance of yourself, Mayor, and the Council, and, and, and um, we'll see what we're going to do. But um, I feel like we can eliminate one of the three captain's positions and be a little bit more streamlined at the top of our organization. Uh, but I also feel like eliminating one uh, captain's position, it gives, perhaps gives us the opportunity to add the position of a deputy police chief. That question was asked of me time and time again during the interview process, I said I would need to evaluate the organization. I could, I could certainly see then, and I now, and I now can confirm that it's it, it's a wonderful thing to have someone that 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 you trust, that shares your vision and values for the um, and for the department. And if you can identify that person, um, that it, it's a good thing to have, and it's something I think would be helpful to me, and um, and frankly would make our department run more efficiently and effectively. So I've made that request. It's part of the reorg, and and. and under consideration right now. Um, this is a big, um, big point that I don't think I, I, I've made adequately um, thus far. I want to bring on eight, eight more police officers to grow us from 90 to 98, but I think we're in a, a unique situation right now because we've run short um, of those staff positions for at least half the fiscal year. We still have that money. We ended up putting eight candidates in the academy just recently, as you know, Mayor. But we have we actually have the opportunity if the MPTC offers a March 2022 academy, which I fully expect that they will, um, we could use money from our existing budget, 
money that's we're not asking for any any appropriations in this fiscal year. We could use the money that's been appropriated already to send these candidates into the academy now, get them out sooner. But the, here's the problem. Here's the catch. The last thing I want to see is the city of Methuen train these police officers, pay for their training, have July 1st roll around and say, hey, listen, we, we're, not in a, we're not in a good spot to bring the, your sworn number from 90 to 98. We, we have to lay them off. Because you know and I know if we lay these police officers up, off, they will be gobbled up by, by other uh, poli- police departments in, in, in the region and will have essentially squandered those funds. Um, and, you know, and if we chose to wait, you know, the back end of that problem, of course, is if you waited for um, you know, budget deliber- del- del- excuse me, deliberations to conclude, um, we missed that window. And if you missed that window, you set your organization back at least six more months yeah. till the next academy. And now we find ourselves, we, perhaps we lose, lose people through attrition. There's, there's police officers that are considering the state police. I know you have a question. Yep. So just, so just so the residents understand, there's two paths there to that, those eight additional heads. Right, that's what you're nice explaining. I want to make. So, um, on the chief's opera, when you watch these council meetings where the department heads go over their opera priorities, I would assume restoring manpower because you were 98 pre, yep. pre-pandemic. Yeah. So the thing came back from Melanson and Arnold saying that would be an approved expense for opera money. I get in some cases the argument that we want to use most of that money for one-time infrastructure deals. But this is also, um, we have through 2026 to use this money. So we could fund these eight officers through ARPA or not fund them through ARPA and fund them through the budget process, part of the annual budget. We just don't want to send people to the academy and lose them. Yeah, and and that's why, you know, as you know, Mayor, I I intend to advocate for that in both arenas and – and, you know, whether um, it's yourself or the council or the citizens of Methuen, if they're inclined to grow the organization, um, you know, I'll leave it to the experts in terms of uh, where, that, where those funds uh, should be allocated from. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, that's the big deal there is that, that window of time. I think we're in a uniquely uh, situ- um, well-suited position right now to put, that, put them in the academy in, in March. And, We've already cleared all these officers. We're, we've named a number of them reserves, and we're about to name a number of additional uh, reserve officers. They are Methuen police officers ready and waiting to go to the academy if, um, if the MPTC portal opens up. But I want to be ready to, to, yep. you know, to hit, hit that trigger when uh, the time comes. And uh, you know, part of that as well is, is um, again, back to the audit, consistent with the audit. As you grow the organization, you need to grow the number of sergeants in your, in your organization, those frontline supervisors. So in time, I'd like to see us grow from uh, 12 to 14 in the next fiscal year. And then, you know, when we get, get, get into, like, item 10 and 11, that's the following fiscal year. So I don't think we can set that aside for now, but I'd like to see us over a period of two years grow all the way to 106. Um, and then when you get over to page uh, 10 and 11 and 12, you start to see I've, I've, I've picked different um, uh, times. So January 2022 is where we are, um, frankly, well, yesterday, I suppose, a couple of days ago. Um, more or less, these, these are some of the changes I've already made, and if, um, if all the stakeholders made, approved some of my requests, this is what the department would look like in, in short order. This is what it could look like tomorrow. Um, you see, for example, that we have now, of course, we have the, the three platoons instead of four. Um, we now have two 
bureaus instead of three headed up by a captain. We have a deputy chief over those two captains. You'd have professional standards um, on one side reporting directly to me. You'd have a director of crime analysis on the other side reporting directly to me. And then the, you'd have three lieutenants under, under each captain, of course, but under, under the administrative captain, you'd have one, one lieutenant who's overseeing uh, detectives, a robust detective division. A, um, you'd have a support services detective who look, looks at the uh, administrative services, training, that sort of thing. And finally, a lieutenant who's overlooking the evidence and um, uh, court, uh, court function of the department. So I think it really kind of, kind of separates um, and, and standardizes levels of work and, and uh, gives us um, more, more efficiency throughout our organization. Now, in July, when our, when our current officers graduate from the academy, um, of course, they'll, do help, they'll have to go through field training, but take that out of the equation for a minute. Um, this is our existing budget, July 22. If we never added another cop to the department, we stay at 90. This is what I, what I envision our department looking like. You'll see we're, we're, now we're just starting to start to build back the department. You're seeing in yellow, um, we'll, we'll finally have those street crimes officers uh, back out there focusing on narcotics and gangs. Um, we're going to start to introduce our first two community policing officers uh, to the department, and we're building on our traffic division. Our, um, it's one of the things that kind of caught me by surprise uh, coming over to Methuen, how pervasive the complaints are related to things like speeding and traffic congestion. Um, we, need to, we need to build up that, that function in the department. This is September. This is, this is if, if, you, if you let me send those eight, eight to the academy, Mayor, and the, and the council um, you know, wants to keep them on, this is what the department could look like in just six months from now, in September of 2022. Um, now you're adding even more. And by the way, I, I didn't mention that we did put those two officers back in the schools. I know that that was really a, a yeah. critical piece to all the parents out there that have yeah. children in the schools. I, like you, I'd like to think we agree on this matter, that um, police officers in, in, in schools are a fundamental prevent, um, a prevention function. Um, years ago, police officers in schools were kind of looked at as just an arm of their enforcement, and it's not looked at that anymore. I'm, I'm glad that we kind of moved on from that perspective. Um, police officers in schools right now are looked at as an ally in these, in these, in these students' future. Um, and, but frankly, they prevent a lot of things from happening. They take a lot off the plate of the uh, traditional police officer. Um, so I think it's great what we've done there, and, and, and I want to say that the superintendent has just been a great partner to work with. She's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, but, we, again, we're building up our traffic. We're building up our, our, our detective um, division. And, um, and now we're starting to parse out, rather than street crimes, we're going to have a number of offices spe 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 specifically focusing on gangs and, and, um, and, and then the other group on narcotics. Jumping into all the way to July... 2023. This is the department really hitting on all cylinders. Now we have a robust community policing um, unit with a sergeant, four traffic officers, six community policing officers. Imagine having one of those in your neighborhood. If you if you work in one of the if you happen to live in one of the neighborhoods that's disproportionately affected by crime and disorder, I'd love to put a police officer in your neighborhood who focuses exclusively on those issues and prevents issue, um, prevents things from happening. Um, and now, now we're adding extra police officers now to the to each of our uh, platoons. I'd like to see those those platoons with with 16 officers on each of them. I think that'll give us um, the ability to put like a Monday through Friday police officer right on the on the front desk. One of the things that kind of bothers me is when I see a, a citizen come come in, knock on our window, 
Now a dispatcher has to get up, leave their function, try to service the citizen. But a lot of times the citizen needs to talk to a police officer, right? right. So now the dispatcher's walking back in. They're calling a police officer off the road. The police officer's not going to respond lights and siren. We, we wouldn't want that to happen. Somebody could get hurt. So they, they're coming back. It's taken you know, sometimes 10, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. Now you have somebody cooling their heels in our lobby saying, why is it taking so long to get service? I'd love to have a police officer who's keeping an eye on that window that's servicing our citizens, and while they're not doing that, can, uh, can provide other um, assistance in the department, maybe monitoring our cells, answering phones, doing light filing. There's plenty, plenty of work to get done. Yep. Um, and... You know, there was probably more I could have hit on, but I was kind of yeah. trying to go lighten, lightning fast for you there, Mayor. That was yeah, my abbreviated right. version. Well, I like what you did. It, it shows good thought, um, and I apologize. You ran, I ran you late, so um, uh, we didn't get a lot of questions. That means you did a good job. We had a couple questions on, uh, did you give a time for disabled to get that test? You should have got a call. Uh, that was Mary Jane Rice. So if... If you answered, if you called the number that we put out a couple of weeks ago, or you emailed the um, the URL that we gave, um, you got a call from the city telling you when to pick it up, and that was this week at the loop. Um, if you're somebody who didn't take advantage of that, by all means, call the mayor's office nine seven eight nine eight three eight five zero five and arrange with Ryan Hamilton to pick up a kid if you're part of the disability community. Uh, don't confuse that with the other kids. Chief, I, I love this. Um, we did have one, uh, one question about uh, an individual on paid leave. Uh, we're not going to address that public. That's a personnel issue. Right. So, uh, and that gentleman knows that he's a lawyer. Uh, for you, Mark Boisvert, I, I don't know why you watch the show. Uh, so feel free to... Stop engaging with the show anytime you want, Mark, uh, because if you're here to get some information and learn about what's going on in the city, great. If you're here just to make smart comments, don't waste your time or my time or the chief's time or, or my guest time, to be honest with you. Um, so I appreciate you coming on the program. This is cohesive, well thought out in my mind. I don't know that we'll agree to the 106, but uh, I like the plan, Right. I'm really fired up, as you know, about the uh, director of crime analysis. Yeah. That job's posted, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think it closes so on the 11th or the 12th. So people yeah. apply um, if they have the background skills for it. Um, so uh, I'd like to, I do want to take you up on the offer you made early in the program. We'll have you back probably in about a month. Sure. Go through some of the audit findings again. Yeah. Because I hurried you and I apologize for that. Um, but um, really good. I want to say this publicly. I say it to you all the time. Every day since the day I hired you, you've given me a positive reason to reinforce my decision. So I thank you very much. You're a credit to the department to the city. Well, I just want to say it's been a, a privilege and an honor to work with these, uh, these wonderful police officers. I tell you, I hear a great story every single day, and I'm like, hey, we have to get that out to the public. We need yeah. to tell our story because yeah. it's so – I mean, look, I know we went through a difficult time as an organization, but there's just a wonderful group of men and women who work there, and they're doing everything they can for the citizens of Methuen, and we're going to change that image over time. Yeah. And, I, and I want to say that what a welcoming community this truly is. 
I'm so grateful um, for all the interactions I've had with the residents here, and I thank them for it. It's, it's a truly well, a privilege. You've already addressed the morale you can see is noticeably better. So kudos to you. You hit the ground running. Keep, keep going. Push us. Right? Push us. That's what I want. Accreditation and certification, as you know, right? Yeah. So, all right. Apologies for the late start, folks. Um, I'm even going to skip the ads because we ran so late. But uh, flowers by Jamie Lynn. Get some flowers for your Valentines. Uh, we're back here next Wednesday, uh, February 9th. Um, and I'm hoping to have the superintendent of schools here so we can talk about what's going on in the schools. In the meantime, get your vaccination. Stay healthy. Make sure you pay attention this Friday for the distribution times for the general public for the uh, COVID test kits. They're free. Proof of residency is required to get the kit. And that's because every city is giving them out. So thank you. God bless. Stay healthy. And we'll see you here next week.